everybody. We're here with another Savage Gentleman podcast. We've got a guest with us. This is the Len Waldron. And Len is a man of many talents. Um, in particular, one of those things is you're a professional writer. And that's, you know, for a lot of folks, that's one of those kind of dream jobs. And tonight we're going to talk about how you came into that into that place because it's a very interesting story. And so, you know, Len, welcome. Thanks. You're, you're, you're a very savage gentleman and we're going to, we're going to get into that. You know, you're a guy who is worked in some cool places. Obviously you're, you're, you know, high intellect, very gentlemanly, but you do some savage stuff, man. So let's, let's jump right in there and, and tell us a little about, about yourself and, you know, let's, Let's explore this and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Um, I hope I can think of some good things to say. So um, we, it's okay. We, we, we can edit. We can edit. Right. We've got we want. we've got our, our rare breed to uh, to help. Uh, yes. Lubricate it down the line here. So we'll yeah. with that. <laughs> so writing. Um, so I've been at it about 20 years, or getting been paid about 20 years. Is that to all? Do it. Right. So <laughs> the fir- yeah, the first. Um, but the first story that I had, and this is, I, I guess, by way of sort of my my story and my background, was uh, the first publication was definitely an outdoor hunting story. So the majority, if uh, the vast majority of my stories have been um, in uh, magazine print media. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a novelist. Uh, I'm not a journalist in the sense that I worked for a... Uh, a newspaper in that mm-hmm. sense, right? Um, but so, you've been published in some pretty, you know, well-known magazines. It's not like you're just writing for some little local. No, program. no, yeah, and that that uh, uh, yeah, certainly uh, guns and ammo, probably mm-hmm. the the biggest circulation amongst them. Um, uh, recoil off grid um, now, uh, which which uh, ballistic. Mm-hmm. A lot of the specialized, you know, combat handguns and tactical knives, and um, certainly, uh, actually, fly fishing was the beginning. Oh, okay. Um, fly fishing, tying journal, quite a bit. Um, started in a newspaper, the Winston Salem Journal, in news in uh, in North Carolina. So my first uh, first published uh, piece was on fly fishing in the Austrian Alps. Oh, uh, so it was, the, I didn't even know you could fly it, fish. It was, I didn't either. I was there, <laughs> uh, in business school and, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Ron Rimmer and I, who actually taught me to fly fish in a, in a more, uh, cold water stream mm-hmm. manner. Uh, and I hatched a plan to boondoggle our way, um, into another five to seven days. I think we spent in Austria and we took a train from Vienna and went to this random place and it took me months to find a place that had it and they had these fantastic streams in this location that this family had owned for about 600 years wow that from the original building and the in fact they bought the the stream rights from Franz Joseph when he was trying to finance a war so it was a really Man. special place yeah right? now 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 hang on a second how did you go from writing in a, in this small little newspaper mm-hmm. to getting sent to the Austrian Alps to write. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a pretty big leap. It is, from- a, it, it is a big leap. Well, that, that was the story for the newspaper. So, so let me back up. So the first piece that I wrote was on a quail hunt. It was okay. shooting my first quail. Um, and, it, and I have to give credit to uh, one of my junior high teachers and uh, because they're, and I think that's an important point. Did you use MLA a- format? Is that why? 
No, uh, <laughs> I used the. Uh, I did not. In fact, in point of fact, it was it was quite the opposite. Wow. Um, she used the um, the shit talking method of motivating me to write a story. Ah. Um, and uh, uh, try I should say trash talking. Chris, you can, it's okay, Mrs. Chris uh, Becker. Um, I'll give her credit. I, I you know, certainly remember her name, and then, and then I would have to also give credit at that time to. Um, this is Rita Counts, who mm -hmm. was my grammar teacher, uh, in whose class I behaved horribly, um, mostly because I didn't like grammar, um, which is ironic. Well, right. right, because naturally you'd become a writer. <laughs> I hated it, right? And she, she, you know, she didn't buck any foolishness in class, mm -hmm. and so uh, I had plenty of it. And so, but but Miss Becker had my number, and she said, you know, Lynn, you talk about these turkey hunts and fishing trips that you go on. You know, I, I don't think you could write about one though. You know, and, and, and so I was, you know, I, I that's the oldest trick I, in the book. Oh, man. oh, and I was an easy mark. Too. Yeah, was, how did you I not was, see that I was, coming? I was in eighth grade, and and oh, I, <laughs> I didn't. Um, but she said it in front of some other people that oh, I, you know, maybe some on. girls that I was mm -hmm, trying to impress, mm -hmm. and uh, and so it was on, right? Yeah. It was on, and I wrote it, and I think she submitted it. I don't, I don't know that I submitted it, and I'm not sure that I was aware that she was submitting it. I don't remember i think mm -hmm. she may have done that kind of on her own yeah on my behalf and it and it won this university writing award for like short fiction or something oh, man. And so that was the first one yeah right, in eighth grade and it was about hunting and so and and a dog that i raised from a help raised from a puppy and so it was very meaningful to me and so that was the very beginning um and so it i didn't really cultivate it from there um but for me um it began at a at an even younger age, being around my grandfather, uh, and he was a pretty you know he's the most incredible man I've ever known. Certainly the the singular um, the single most important influence in, in my life. Um, he grew up in a in a very poor rural area of southern Illinois mm -hmm. where hunting and fishing was um, a fundamental part of putting food on the table Those during the Great Depression, without a doubt, right? Yeah. And so. <clears throat> You know, squirrels, rabbits, um, uh, birds, if you could get them, mm -hmm. uh, geese. Um, my grandfather, whose name was Elvis, um, uh, yeah, Elvis. Um, <laughs> you know, that's he, a name yeah. that, for whatever reason, it's a biblical you, know, name. you don't see a lot yeah, it's of. A, yeah. It's a biblical name, right? You know, we'll name kids Jesus, but we won't name them Elvis. So yeah. It's, it's kind of sad, It's interesting, right? right? It's a slightly higher bar for a kid, maybe. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> oh, uh, man. That's, a, that's a whole other topic. It there. is a whole other topic wow. in, in our society. But anyway, his name was Elvis, <laughs> and uh, he was a market hunter, which meant um, he would go out and um, – hunt game and then sell them to people in town and okay. that's now um that's now not part of the uh north american conservation model where we don't do that right but um which is different from europe where you can do that but he did that and that's how they got by and he also worked in a coal mine um that is my great-grandfather and so uh, i mean he was he was in every sense of the term a man i mean he and and that's something you know, you know we try to you know, you, you you might notice that we kind of have this like vintagey turn of the century kind of right. old school feel, and and for me that's it's it's those type of guys that 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 I really look up to that I want to harken back to and kind of 
revitalized because I think somehow we're we're missing out on that, you know. And I'm, I'm I'm digressing here a little bit, but just bringing up you know your grandfather and talking about that kind of individual, it's like, man, as a as a as a dad, as a father, as a you know just a man in general, that's the kind of dude I want to be. Yeah, you know, the single greatest gift I received was the first. 18 years of my life with him. He, he, he passed right, um, right before I started college. So, um, you know, his, I am, uh, he is my namesake. Our mm-hmm. middle, middle name is different. My first name is Leonard. So I'm, I am, uh, also Leonard, but he, you know, it was really interesting. I have two grandfathers. One, um, you know, was, was a highly decorated bombardier in world war two, um, and did all these amazing things, um, survived incredible. It was amazing. I'm still sitting here. Right. Um, so he did a lot more of the, um, you know, uh, you know, amazing heroic uh, things that he would consider, Hey, I was just trying not to get killed by the Japanese. Best way to stay alive was to kill them before they killed me. And he was like, I didn't die. So I got a lot of medals. Right. And that was kind (laughs) of his equation, the way he looked at it. Um, but my grandfather, uh, Leonard V, um, was kind of more, hey, I'm, I'm going to go do my duty, but this, this, this uh, you know, this war stuff is horrible. Right. Um, but I'll go and do it because they mm-hmm. have to, right? Um, and he did. And he served wow. in both theaters in World War II and um, w- always wanted to go to college, did not get to do so, had younger siblings mm-hmm. to take care of, and uh, really taught me what it meant I think the the, the 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 biggest lesson from him was to to do rather than to say. I learned more from him in watching his daily habits, in how he handled himself, how he treated other people, mm-hmm. both men and women, children and adults, friends, uh, yeah. or unfamiliar people, not enemies. I don't think the guy had any enemies, um, none that I was aware of. Um, and he, but it was the way he handled himself uh, with other people. But he also um, he knew what um, privation meant, right? And yeah. I remember that he, he described to me uh, complaining once as a young man about having Brussels sprouts so many meals in a row. And uh, he he was punished for that. Wow. Uh, yeah, and he was required to eat Brussels sprouts a lot more um, from, <laughs> from then on. But uh, having said that, he um, he was – his life was – and this is a book that uh, – that that your 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 followers should should read the if they haven't the book where the red fern grows about yeah um, one of my favorites as a kid that was his life I mean yeah. he had coon dogs and he mm-hmm. lived in a poor place and you know um, saved his money and 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 he you know he eat the ketchup out of packets rather than throw them away he just never wasted anything yeah. and so that um, that attitude whether you apply it to the environment or whether you apply it to your money or whether you apply it to the time you have with loved ones, not wasting things, mm-hmm. was was a um, was 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 one of the larger themes in his life. You know, not being not being a hoarder in that sense, but just right, being, being but wise. Yeah, it was, a wis- it was more mm-hmm. of a wisdom factor. So, a lot of the times, um, the lessons that I learned from him was probably part of him being a great communicator was he knew I would always listen to some hunting or fishing story because I was into that, yeah. right? And so he would teach me through... He would weave the lessons into, into the stories, oh, right? that's clever. Right? Yeah. And so I learned about so many aspects of life and being a man, what that meant. Um, uh, you know, he didn't always get it right. He got he got sideways <laughs> with, in the doghouse with my grandmother from time to time. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, but you know, she forgave him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Cause his, his heart was in the right place, but the, um, um, they were minor things, right? Like reorganizing her, her cupboard at one time Ooh, when, when he retired. Man. Yeah. It was a big mistake. Uh, a, yeah, I was a, there and I we got told him that. Yeah. That we got kicked out. Of, yeah. We got kicked out of the house, which I thought was awesome. Um, cause we went fishing that day, but I was <laughs> Great. like, Hey was like, grandpa, I'll do that again, man. I was like, like you're next the, weekend. I was like, you're, you're in the doghouse. He's like, yes, I am. But we'll, it'll be okay. We'll still get fed tonight, right? <laughs> so, so she, so she, she, uh, she forgave him. But the the stories that he told were so vivid mm-hmm. about the dogs, or about the place, or about the guns, or about the knives. And he would tell me the techniques that he used for whether it was in barrel nets and catching fish, or hogging, and uh, you know, or, or what they call noodling, grabbing mm-hmm. fish out oh, of yeah. water that he did, and and how they prepared how you prepare different fish and the way he learned to sell as a, as a, in the grocery business, because some ladies wanted the fish completely cleaned and there, and he'd charge mm-hmm. one price for that. And some wanted it just the guts out and they would yeah. do the rest. Cause so it was you're cheaper. getting, you're getting like business lessons, but in the way of, you know, this really it for a young boy, you know, talking about cleaning fish and hunting and in a manner that I would stuff. pay attention. Right. right, right Isn't that right. brilliant? Right. Yeah, because if you go, yeah. I mean, you go to get your MBA and they're talking about, you know, stock portfolios and, you know, your investment strategy and all this stuff. Man, I mean, I, I haven't been there, but you have. I it's have, yeah. Probably pretty dry. It's easy to glass over. Right. right. But it's like, hey, here, I'm going to, I'm going to use this, you know, allegory to really, you know, deliver this. Man, I think that's. That's brilliant. Yeah, That's yeah. Really so he was, um, and and I would credit him with that. And he was, he's a wise and patient man. And and he and I were very very close yeah. too. So um, he could read me really well. And um, uh, so yeah, that uh, he was he was the uh, he was the beginning of it all, mm-hmm. right? The ability to hear someone over and over take me as a young man and put me into a place. Where I was with him, you know, I could close my eyes and see a coon dog in Southern Illinois, mm-hmm. right, or a bird dog wherever, or yeah. you know, these. So that these story crafting, yeah, that, that skill craft. of like painting that picture, right? Because there's something, you know, anybody can put words on a piece of paper, but does that mean something to the reader where they can actually, you know, see it and hear it and feel it? Right. You know, and that's, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a gift, you know, that's yeah. something that, that takes a long yeah, time. And, and he, yeah. And he, he gave that to me. So, um, you know, of, of, uh, and in a uh, value beyond any monetary inheritance sure. that I could have, mm-hmm. you know, possibly has the, is that what to me was just us talking, right. you know, just, right. uh, he was my best friend. And, and, uh, I think, me adjusting in junior high, which we all probably why I was such a, you know, so ill behaved in those, in those classes was, you know, you're, you're, you're not a kid anymore, but you're not kind of a young man yeah, yet. Yeah, you're just trying and to you're figure it out. in the middle. Yeah. And my best friends were, uh, 70 something year old men that had been <laughs> in World War II and, uh, yeah. and done various things. And so my perspective of, of, uh, what it meant to be uh, a 14 year old was really warped oh, because yeah. of my, you know, my best friends were these uh, uh, older dudes that had seen it and done right. it and were real men, right? Yeah. And so, um, like, hey, you need to, you know, um, wear a poison T-shirt. And I'm like, you know, the rock band. Well, I think they're great, right? Nothing against yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I, I don't – that yeah, didn't seem very manly to me. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, I don't know. Everybody I look up to is wearing flannel shirts and, 
you know what I mean? Yeah, or, exactly. Or overalls exactly. or whatever. Exactly right. right. And they, um, you know, they could buy 10,000 of them if they wanted to, but they don't, and you would never know. Yeah. Right? So that that was another thing, the conspicuous consumption mm-hmm. of, in southeast Missouri is not still isn't there, and it wasn't with these old men. They yeah. Because they, they knew that it could all go away mm-hmm. in heartbeats. So, um whether it was through war or depression or whatever, and so yeah. they were always. It's a different ideology. I think yeah. we've 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 become so comfortable because we haven't had to experience that level of hardship, you know, where it's it's almost inconceivable for us now, you know, as as these heavy consumers, that the whole thing could dry up tomorrow, and and what do you what do you have, you know? Yeah, and you did get a little bit of the, you know, I walked. Walked, uh, you know, to school in the snow every day, uphill both sure, ways. Sure, yeah. Right? Yeah. There was a bit of that, and then in the times there was, you know, do I have to hear about the Great Depression? Well, every time? every generation. Tell me a war story. That's cool. Yeah. Or, or, you know, a dog story. Yeah. But I'm tired of hearing about, you know. That, we only had one spoon, and right, there was and we 28 all, of we us. We all licked it, right? Right, yeah. right. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't like those, but I still remember them. Sure. Right? And so they were, they were impactful. But getting back to the writing thing, that sort of. Um, that mindset of, of, uh, that verbal tradition mm-hmm. of, uh, of, but he was no, uh, the interesting thing about it is, is, um, you know, he was no particular literary grandmaster mm-hmm. by any stretch. Right. So it wasn't like he was a writer and I wanted to be like him. It was just his way yeah. of communicating. And, uh, we went to, when I won that writing award, we went to this lecture that was called, Merle Haggard, the poet of the common man, right? And this professor was wow. there, and he was talking about what a great songwriter Merle Haggard was, which he was, and I'm a fan. And but I mean, who it, is it? Listen, if, right. you're, if you're not a Merle Haggard fan, then you should just tune. The, you should just. Except my grandfather was there to support me, and he fell asleep. Oh, right. And well, he was just like, "This is, um, I'm here for you." And uh, right, it was, it was talking... a professor droning on. Sure. He, he didn't go to college. He didn't realize you have to. You know, stay awake and pay attention to these <laughs> self-important people that talk about this, you know, this esoteric stuff. So, right. Anyway, moving forward, that's um, that's where it began. Um, I grew up in a in a rural place as well, uh, and and we we raised bird dogs, mm-hmm. and the dogs were a big part of um, the coming of age element as yeah. well. Right. I was um, required to care for the dogs from age about six five and a half or six on wow so we had kennels and it was you know to this day unfathomable responsibility oh man to do that we had you know to wash kennels down and feed them and care for them and and i knew that it was on me Mm -hmm. if if something happened to the dogs now we i mean you know as an adult you look at a you look you're like that that kid can barely tie their own shoes and now you're gonna have them care for 20 dogs Mm -hmm. that you know what i mean are probably as big as they are and yeah. they're wild and unruly and yes yeah, probably why i get along better with dogs and people these days <laughs> right and there's a lot of people that agree with with that they would be like yeah i've met him that's probably right yeah. um and i can remember and we and we talk about farmers carries you know and working out right mm-hmm. so i had my realistic farmer carry because then you know and it would get Carrying cold in the winter or, carry buckets mm-hmm. of water buddy you know yeah. and i remember i i even i tried to do the uh, uh the, the stick over the back uh-huh. yeah with the yoke um and that usually got usually ended up spilling a lot yeah right? that's, a, so that's just, a just didn't work as well but i tried you know i had a knife and i would carve it and <laughs> and so it was you know the the kid trying to be ingenious but you know carrying it by hand and when i could carry it from the house down the hill to the dog kennels which was you know several hundred yards away um that was a big deal for oh, yeah me. like like because 
first of all, was I tall enough to even clear the yeah, ground? Yeah, no, I, buckets, yep. Right? And man, it's funny you, yeah. you take for granted your adult body, right? But remember being a kid and just struggling with yeah. a five gallon bucket. I mean, I think how many times the exact same yeah. thing you're talking about. It's like, man, I can't get that from A to B, you know, without setting it down or it just bopping the ground or whatever and the interesting thing is is that my dad and grandfather couldn't give a shit that was prob problematic for oh me. right yeah they're like, just like figure it out no, it's man. called the ex experiential learning process <laughs> yeah. you, your job is to get that bucket down there like, i don't and give a shit how you do it if you got to take two to get one worth of water then you take two then you make two trips right i we, you got i bought you overalls you'll be warm yeah you're you'll not be fine yeah go ahead Figure just it make out. Sure, just make sure you're done and ready for breakfast time. Fig you got it. You got to in the morning. Figure it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, that's that's the way. Um, that's the way it all started. And and coming up uh, in that area, in that in that part of the world, um, was uh, where you know uh, the majority of my classmates fished and hunted. And mm -hmm. so that was a big, you know, it was a big theme. Um, and so that was kind of part of life. You know, we told yeah. hunting stories that. What did you do? Did you catch any fish? How'd you catch them? Where'd you catch them? What kind of deal? Um, some more than others. Like some guys weren't into that. Sure. You know, it wasn't like everyone was, but yeah. But, but I mean, oh. but that was a cultural thing that was fairly popular. That you had your own group of people that you could converse with, and and again, I imagine hone that craft of yeah. storytelling because that eventually transitioned to instead of just sharing that knowledge with your buddies, now you've got a much larger stage that you can basically put that out in, mm -hmm. in, in print media, but right. it's essentially, you know, the same thing. You're like, yeah, you know, I went here, I used this, I caught that, this is what worked, this is what didn't, but you're doing it in a much more, you know, engaging and, and entertaining and, you know, you're letting people vicariously live that experience. Yeah, and I, I think that's a great point um, from, a, from a, a writing standpoint is, at least in what I do, a big part of writing is listening. Yeah. Right, and so I don't, one of the one of the sort of one of my core principles as a writer is that I don't uh, I don't endeavor to either be or sound like the subject matter expert mm. in whatever I'm writing about. Right. Um, I I have I pride myself in having an author's knowledge, mm -hmm. what I call an author's knowledge of of the story, which means I know enough about the topic to ask good questions right. and to understand what's being said so that I can translate that and frame it in a manner that is uh, interesting and understandable yeah. to the readers, right? But essentially, you can be the conduit between that subject matter expert that may be way above everyone's mm -hmm. head, and now you can disseminate that and, and put it out to where, hey, I don't know a lot about fly fishing. I understand the idea, but you're bridging that gap. You know, and that, I mean, and again, that's a, that's a craft. In well, and that's, and that's the challenge, right? You've nailed it, mm -hmm. right? Is it, can you, can you write a story on fly fishing for someone who has no desire to fly fish, who's mm -hmm. never been fly fishing, but make it interesting and engaging yeah. enough to where they're like, that sounds like an awesome, that, well, that place sounds really great. Well, exactly. Right? And that's exactly what I was going to say is like, you might not care about fly fishing at all, but when you start seeing pictures and, and hear the description of what you know the austrian alps look like you're like i i don't know if i can do fly fishing but man that would be an amazing place to go visit and while i'm there maybe i'll give this a shot yeah. you know and and that that's something that i think is is very important that we have have those people 
pushing that out there because it's so easy for us to get sucked into you know this digital world that we forget that there's all this really cool stuff to actually get your hands on and experience it yeah and let me clarify there there are a lot of writers that um are subject matter experts right and pride themselves in being so and are in point of fact Mm -hmm. um i think for example my friend richard mann is probably one of the the best uh terminal ballistic experts in the u.s right he'd deny it but he he is right um and he's written as a subject matter expert on on that topic um i write more broadly yeah right um that's just my choice that's that's just my preference um he's kind of he's you know he's um a few inches wide and a mile deep where yeah. I'm probably, you know, maybe a mile wide and mm-hmm. some inches deep sure. and, and, a lot, and, and deeper in some areas than others. Yep. I tend to enjoy that more. Um, it's very rare to have an outdoor rider. Although when I grew up, the riders did, they fished and hunted. They My did everything. Yeah. Fished and hunted. Right, they knew right, knives. Right. They knew survival. Mm-hmm. They knew, right, because you might be out there and stuck or your, or your yeah. dog may be lost or yeah. maybe, right, a variety of things might happen. So that was kind of part of it right yeah you you had to be able to do all those things and to you know to show up in a car and get out and walk out on some manicured lawn and fish was just not you know yeah that didn't happen well and and and, you know that resonates way more for me and that kind of again harkens back to this very rugged individual right that that has this wide variety of things and they're completely self-sustainable right it's like you know i i don't have just this narrow window of focus where i'm an expert in this field but man i am clueless about anything else and you run into those people and it's and it's great when you want to learn more about that topic and you can pick their brain but then you 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 watch that individual for a few minutes and you're like man you're a barely functioning human being you know because all of your brain space is only occupying this one and that's you know and that and that's fine we need those people but but for me i'd much rather be you know the jack of all trades and and have have a good amount of knowledge in a wide variety of things instead the, of just this the paradox of that is is that those people are a hell of a lot more fun to interview right i mean sure. so so i to an extent now they're not all not all people are like that right there's some people that are that are that are absolute masters um that are good at a lot of things yeah. right but i can think of um you know i can name a few you know an african ph named robin hurt that i have hunted with several times and you know with bob dozier or or uh steve johnson as a knife maker or um you know several fly fishermen that i've fished with that are just unconsciously good at what they do yeah right and so you kind of want to really dig into it and and see what makes them tick right oh, they're, yeah. they're beyond an enthusiast yeah right it's 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 someone going to do the work of their soul yeah when you're with them and it it immediately puts it on you to as a writer because really your moral obligation is to get that right yeah right and there are some times where um i haven't gotten it right or i haven't felt like i communicated um i i feel like most of the time i get it mm-hmm. but, but sometimes I, but you're I, not quite doing yeah I look, justice. I, I, well you know and, and a lot of it's emotional maturity a lot of it's where your head is a lot of it is at the time at the moment what's yeah. going on in your life um that definitely affects things 
you know, your ability to listen and sort of pick up on the nuances, yeah. well, are, are, you know, can, are tough. Right? Yeah. And, and, and actually brings up a great point talking about kind of your, your pathway to getting to where you are now, because you didn't just start off writing for these big high speed, yeah. you know, well-known magazines. I mean, you actually had, had, have or had a career in the, in the finance industry. Yeah. And I still do. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's an important, uh, piece of respect to give to the people that are uh, actual full-time writers that feed their families with mm -hmm. it. Um, there's not many of them. I mean, it's a tough game. And I am not one of them. <laughs> you know, I've tried. Right. Uh, and I've failed um, a couple times, mm -hmm. right? Um, so my background was I went to um, school on an Army scholarship. I uh, went to Wake Forest in uh, North Carolina. Um, fantastic undergraduate education. Did a lot of compulsory writing there not a lot of uh that's that, weird because i didn't do as much writing as i probably should have crushed in, in they college. crushed us i yeah, did i did us, a, i did like, a lot more of this in college <laughs> and for the yeah. you, you listening i'm holding up yeah. my glass of uh wild turkey which we're some, not sponsored some, by some, but we some rare be. breed we're just having yeah. it because it's good it's tasty but yeah that was my my college stint was spent more of doing that not as much of the compulsory writing yeah strangely enough um <laughs> i didn't full I, disclosure i didn't drink until after i was 21 years old oh yeah my family had some struggles with that and so i was uh kind of averse to that and then i, I moved to i did a semester uh or summer of training in germany and a semester in in, in drinking training uh army training oh okay, army training. okay i was like wow you really took uh, that serious. actually it, it was both a little bit it, of, was, okay. it was both in all fairness it was both i caught up for my for lost time there you go uh during that time because it's uh certainly part of the culture there it's not it's not um it's it's woven into yeah it's a, sort it's, of daily life uh -huh. it's a different deal right and so i made up for lost time <laughs> um but yeah in college uh quite a bit of quite a bit of writing just as through the course of well, we did have some great English professors there as well. Mm -hmm. um, I was not an English major. My brother, Charles, who you know, was actually an English major. Really? Um, he was, yeah, if you believe that. Huh. Uh, so he was the, you know, uh, the, the college wrestler and yep. English major. So, um, he, you know, he, he's a pretty talented guy. But I was a politics major, which required a ton of reading and writing. Right. right. So to me, it was kind of, I was interested in English history and um economics and it was a politics was kind of uh an amalgam of those yeah three that's to, that center of the degree, venn diagram right right, there, right right and so that's why i chose it and i thought it might be this um you know high-speed spy someday so understanding you know power oh, yeah. dynamics mm -hmm. and now you know politics is just distasteful <laughs> to me in large part so i have this degree that um enables me to uh read the paper really well mm -hmm. with a with with a depth with with a ton and, and with a with with a huge measure of disdain a I jaundiced imagine. eye right, yes, without, right. A, without a doubt so um <laughs> so i left uh graduated was commissioned upon graduation i went um into the army as an infantry officer and um uh served as an infantry officer was i was actually injured and, and discharged early which was not my plan um, but you know, um, God has different plans mm -hmm. for us, right. Or, you know, infinite intelligence or whatever you right. want to attribute it to, uh, fate, if you will. And so, uh, I, uh, I got out and I went uh, back to graduate school because a politics degree <laughs> is, doesn't, it was, Not a it, lot. 
not a lot of opportunities. Yeah, they, for the army thought it was there. great for jumping out of planes and shooting guns, but uh, <laughs> you know, perfectly suitable for that. Hey, but, I'm gonna go practice my politics uh, over here. Right, yeah. right. So, uh, um, so I had to go, you know, learn something that uh, somebody would hire me to do and pay mm-hmm. me. Right. Um, so, did that. Went to went to MBA school. Um, worked in kind of technology sector at Wake Forest for a period of time. And then um, uh, went to, um, I got an offer to, uh, and, in, and during that time, uh, that's when I published the first one. It was during a trip during MBA school that we were actually supposed to be studying. And that was the time when we were supposed to be studying. We did a lot of this, Yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, my friend that I mentioned that was a, uh, uh, that I that I fished with was actually a, a Marine Corps gunnery sergeant, and uh, so he and I had a lot in common to include fishing, and and, and so we did that, and that was uh, that led me to Wall Street, and so he he went there, um, he had a job and was working on the fixed income trading desk at a at a major Wall Street firm, um, and said, hey, I need you to come do what you want to do, and I was, man, I was fishing offshore every other weekend. I had a buddy who had a big boat and uh, had a great Great dog that that, uh, that could could uh, allow. What were you guys that, putting out of? Uh, Oregon Inlet. Yep. Okay. That's, that was going to be my yeah, guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oregon Inlet. Mm-hmm. Um, so his his boat was actually part of the fleet. Um, wow. So we we fished everything from Hatteras to um, to um, Virginia Beach that that yep. region mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, but they were out of um, uh, Wanchies, and uh, you know so they were they were good. Yeah good salty guys there and um you know they were handmade carolina boats glass over wood single screw diesel boats yeah. uh, 50 plus foot boats and so we cut a lot of tuna yeah a lot of tuna a lot of good food some marlin um a lot of uh um dolphin uh mm-hmm. dorado yep. right yep. mahi not not flipper but, yeah um a lot of people <laughs> yeah get, you got to specify yeah people, a lot of people, people get confused there's like, like yeah you're eating flipper again like, for no, no, dinner no, yeah it'll be great um delicious. no I, no not the mammal the yeah, fish right right um so we did a lot of that you know the 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 high tiders on the outer banks are mm-hmm. are a, a million stories that should be written about those guys right. and a lot of those i've written a few should have written a thousand right <laughs> you know you start meeting these guys and and it's it's one great story after another, but uh, so it was. It was a big leap for me to go from there to New York, but I just felt I needed to get out of my comfort zone. Like there was another challenge to take on. And so you, you kind of, man, because a lot of times what you see is people will do the opposite, right? And they go from you know the white collar job, and they realize, man, I got to get out. I'm getting which I also in. did. No, I also did. You've that, done it right? both, but you, I did it in the reverse order and yeah, backwards. I, I did. I did. Yeah, yeah. I've done in both directions. Which, which I think that's. A, I mean, that's a great. That in of itself is a great story to tell, right? Because I think sometimes we get this notion that we're that we're in this fixed point, right? Mm-hmm. And we've we've kind of, you know, we've set our azimuth, and this is the direction that we go, and no matter what, this is where I'm going to be. And and you're you're a great testament. Is like, man, you can vacillate from one side to the other. You can you can step over here and you can be this this you know, high-speed Wall Street business guy, right? And then at the same time, you can be this avid outdoorsman, this hunter, this adventurer, right? You can be a savage gentleman right. as a shameless uh, plug. Yeah, I would take I, – I that's a great point. And it's um, – and I'd say there's several facets to that, mm-hmm. to how I would answer that or comment on that. One is uh, I, 
I personally envy the people that have a singular thing that they want to do and that makes them happy and blows their hair back, if you right. will. Right, and they can just stick with that and, they, and yeah, they, follow they it. Can mm-hmm. with that, and they, they get up in the morning, they do it, and they think about it before they go to bed, and they do it again. Um, I have never had anything in my life that was um, uh, that was profitable that I could that I felt that, <laughs> that way about. There, therein lies the problem, right? <laughs> right. So that's the tricky right, part. Right. So uh, yeah, the the banking side to the trading capital market side is definitely profitable, and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the people I worked with. I loved working on a trading desk, um, and then also worked in the banking side as well, which is it's is its own learning environment. Um, a little less raucous mm-hmm. than the trading desk and therefore a little less fun. Yeah. You know, if you're kind of a, uh, it's interesting, the, the majority of the people on a trading desk, it's a little bit more of a meritocracy because you have a lot of, you get a lot of athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it's quants now. So it's kind of the nerds have taken over um, because they're a little better at it. Um, but a lot of times it was um, guys that could get yelled at could fail could come back could snap back yeah right mm-hmm. um there were i you know i was i walked on to the track team at, at wake forest i threw javelin there for two years but was primarily you know like you a wrestler coming mm-hmm. up um and and wrestling taught me a lot as well yeah. i mean it's a whole other sort of avenue i could go down as far as the life lessons that 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 taught and that's its own savagery right that's right. its own mm-hmm. you know there is nothing um quite so um uh humbling right than yeah. standing in front of your hometown and either winning or losing right and, right? and having no one else to look just to you. other than just yourself just you. right man it's yeah. one of those things and and not to not to go too far down this rabbit hole i mean we should we should have a, a, an entire episode just dedicated to wrestling i, I, agree. My, I agree in my humble opinion but you know if there was one activity that i could you know if I could say, hey, make sure that every every boy in America experiences this, even if it's just like one season of it. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, take your kids, put them out on the wrestling mat. They may not love it. It may not be their thing, but just give them give them a full season and 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 you know, figure that out, you know, have that experience because it's gonna pay dividends. It's gonna, it, for me, it puts so many things in life in perspective. Yep. That and I'm sure you you know you agree and I think just about anyone who's ever set foot on the mat would say yeah no after that I mean Dan Gable said after wrestling everything is easy well you know I think uh, I would expand on that because you know Dan Gable said um, you know wrestling is life mm-hmm. right well to him you know and I I would I would say that he was right but he was right for reasons that he doesn't understand mm-hmm. right and and having read multiple books about Dan and I remember that. Um, uh, I had planned to send him. I had won a tournament, and I was going to write him a letter on the bracket and mail it to Iowa, right, wow. and say I'm coming to your school. Uh-huh. Right? So I'm a big, I'm a huge well, Dan a, Gable fan. That's a that's a bold statement. As a 14-year-old, that's that's wow, where my head was. I was like, man. Dan, I'm coming. You know, here's my Here adre- here's my address. Send me a sweatshirt, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I want to be Hawkeye, right? Because uh, oh, in Missouri, that was you know we we had it. We were very much a midwestern sort of hard nosed style wrestling, yeah. and and, and uh, at least our coaches tried to make us that way. Most mm-hmm. of us were, um, and uh, the, but Dan only wrestled, right? And then he coached. Yeah, I would I would submit to you that he was right. But that the lessons that you learn as a wrestler of of humility, 
of preparation, of training, of, of all of all of those things, standing alone and putting your foot on the line. And uh, one of my favorite photos is, is from a, a hometown newspaper, and it's black and white, and it's me pinning this guy. And people say to me, oh, wow, this guy looks his head's blue because I had him in a, you know, on a front headlock, mm-hmm. and the ref's on the other side. He can't see this guy's head's here, and it's purple against right. my leg, right? And I'm like, wow, you're really whipping that guy's ass. And I said, is that why you have it here? I said, no, it's because look at the I can tell you the name of every person in the crowd. And this was my Sunday school teacher, and here's my granddad, and here's the girl I wanted to date but couldn't, and here's Mm -hmm. the girl that I could date and didn't want to, right? (laughs) Um, But they're all there. Yeah. Right? And so to win or lose in that environment, when it's all up to you, Mm -hmm. it's not, hey, he didn't block for me. Right. Or the pass was You can't pass that buck, man. It's it's – No, man. No, it's there, and you've been there, right? And so uh, it is a – it's a fundamentally critical – part of my upbringing and in and, and and i can recall times when i went to college and then when i was on wall street that it was like i'm a fucking jackson rustler yeah right you know uh-huh. and I, I can do you this had to dig deep you know and, and and yeah i was reference that yeah, yeah yeah it was like mm-hmm. it was like look you know you guys i've made it in a place where you guys couldn't handle it so yeah. maybe you're smarter than me maybe you went to better schools than me but I'm going to outgrind you yep. um, in general, right? Yeah. And there's and there were still some people that had so much more talent than me that they, sure, but they won, something, but kept me in the game. But, there, right? but there's something to, you know, having that grit and knowing you have that grit. And the only way you can do that is test it. You know, you can't, you can't just fabricate that in your mind and say, oh, no, I'm super tough. But you've never gone out and, and proven it to yourself because when push comes to shove, shove you're not going to believe that. You know, unless you can recall a specific instance where you were getting your ass kicked and you were able to push through that and come out on the other well, side. Well, I, I would even say that even if you're no good as a wrestler, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. In, in my opinion, it doesn't matter. You could be the worst wrestler on the team. Go out there just for the experience in of itself because you're going to learn so much about yourself. And again, you're going to have this this reference point for the rest of your life that that you can you know this bar that you set that you can always look back to and i think that having that standard is is a very very important aspect of a man's or or just a person's life in general yeah, feeling the back against your wall or your back against the wall is is, is you know the wall may be cold but you know what it feels like right yeah, you know you've been and, there. and so it's mm-hmm. not it's not it's not such a uh it's not so unfamiliar yeah right well and so it translates well in into life and 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 so to kind of get back to the circle back to the writing <laughs> thing i think um you know whether you're pitching ideas or whether you're getting told that your ideas are no good mm-hmm. or your stories are no good um you know how to you know if you if you've gotten pinned in front of your hometown yeah in front of the girl that you want to date right, or you're right. you know your your girlfriend's parents or whatever that is or man. everybody and everybody, every, there everybody is all everybody, eyes on you everybody right you know i used to joke and and it's still very much this way that um my hometown was a lot like our wrestling program was a lot like the hoosiers movie uh-huh. where you know you'd have the line of cars and they'd be going and we had you know hardcore parents that whose sons had graduated years ago and but they they'd still got show they up. still come yep. man they still came and so you know to lose in front of them was man that was a big deal yeah right and you talk about you know 
it's trite to say it takes a village, but in a small town, you'd be like, man, everybody, I know the name of everybody in the yeah, crowd. Yeah, right? and, and so and most, so. most of them anyway. Yeah, well, right? and, 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 you know, this guy, you know, two-time state champion, his dad comes up and he gives you this little nugget or whatever. He's like, hey, you know, get him, get him next time. That little thing, that means a lot. Oh, hell yeah. You know does. what I mean? Yeah. When, you, when, you're, when you're a young, impressionable, you know, man, and these guys that, that can come in and influence you and give you that, that, that vote of encouragement or – or that negative feedback and say, hey, man, you you laid over like a dead dog. Yeah. I and mean, sometimes you need that reality check. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. we, you know, we, we, we've, we've gotten to a place where we kind of gloss over and we sugarcoat stuff quite a bit where, man, it, it takes until you're really in the trenches as an adult for a lot of us to ever get that that actual real feedback. Yeah, tough love is undervalued, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. You know, the people that are worried about, um, you know, and not to get too political with the people that are, that are, that are worried about microaggressions. I mean, I, I got some, I got some, I got some, then they're, 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 if that's, if that's, if that's all they, if that's all that upsets if them that's on a the daily worst basis, thing that's ever happened to you, you had a great freaking man. life, man. Cause I got, I, you know, lucky. yeah, I got days when there's like 98 macroaggressions, right. And I'm, you know. Trying to trying to I work have days where people are literally <laughs> trying to cave my skull in. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like if that's not a yeah. but but you know, again, I don't want it, anybody I don't want anybody's feelings hurt on purpose, but you get the point. Well, right? but know? I mean and that but I mean we can put that in an even different perspective, right? It's like, well, yeah, this guy's trying to, you know, smash my face in, but at least he's not trying to kill me. At least he's not throwing bullets at me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we can we can we can you, you can know, extrapolate it. You can, yeah, extrapolate you can extrapolate that it, as far yeah. as you want to go, you know. Yeah. And so, anyway, but but going back to, you know, this idea of of becoming a writer, telling stories, and using that as you have as kind of this vehicle to get out and, and really experience life, to really live a life of adventure, even though you kind of have this home base of you know in the in the finance world, that you're you're still stepping out and you're still going out and doing these amazing things. I mean, you've been all over the world hunting yeah, and fishing. Yeah, and yeah, I think there's two things. One to, to, to that is, one, be be willing to get out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. The other is stay true to your nature, right? The, the, those are the, the two. What, while you are stepping out of your comfort zone, stay true to your nature and doing it because you can get lost, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, Wall Street's a great place to get – New York City's a great place to get lost oh, for a while. That's, easy. A, that's a place for it's, crazy it's, people. It's, it's, it's easily done. Um, and you can get around people that are um, – so, some of the most intelligent people I've ever been around are there. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, so the uh, the places that I've been that writing has taken me mm-hmm. – um, been to Africa four times, which is not a ton, uh, compared to some outdoor riders. Um, but for me, I, I'd go back again tomorrow and Africa is a huge continent, right? I'm talking about Southern Africa, um, places where, um, sustainable hunting goes on, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've been to South America, Europe, all over the United States, Canada, and U S. Um, I've met people that, um, have lived in the places that I've visited, whether it's, Newfoundland, where the guys gotten off the island twice in seventy years. Wow! You know, and that makes for an interesting person, good or bad. Yeah, right. That's yeah. that's unlike any person you'll meet anywhere mm-hmm. else, right? And and or you meet um, uh, an African tracker who um, knows more about game and what they're going to do than you'll ever learn. Yeah, right. 
Um, and so here's, you know, here's kind of a good savage gentleman's story. So I was in Africa, um, and I was on a, on a ranch. I was writing a story for, for a magazine and, and, um, so I was pumped because it was my first trip to Africa, right? And I'm thinking about my grandfather the whole time. You know, it's yeah. like he never got to do this, mm-hmm. right? I think he went through North Africa during World War II, but um, he he wasn't there on safari. Yeah, it wasn't right? it wasn't for pleasure. So that was, was strictly different business. Kind of, different kind yeah. of safari, yeah. right? Uh, the bullets, <laughs> a two way safari, right? And so, <laughs> um, uh, you know, was, the guy came over to me and he he said, uh, you know, we were talking about these trackers because the day before these guys. That, this this one guy had, uh, and he was one of the black guys, right? Typically, over there would be PHs, and they're of all races, but they're 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 largely white guys, and 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 the uh, the trackers are 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 the are the uh, the black Africans, and they, um, I said, you know, that guy saw stuff that I had binos on, you know, ten power mm-hmm. Zeiss binos, right? Really nice, expensive yeah. ones, and he's seeing stuff with his naked eye that I can't see with the binos, wow. literally. Um, like something had to move for me to see it. He could see it when it was still, right? And I asked the guy about it. I was like, what is it? What's the deal here? And he said, and he pointed to this, um, to this uh, black lady and he said, he said, he said, I fed from her breast. I was born here. I'm the seventh generation to live on this land, right? I called her, the black woman, mother, before I called my mother, a white woman, a mother. But that guy will know more about nature than I ever will. He said, I'm as African as he is. I've fed from a black woman's breast, mm-hmm. and he still has something that I don't. Interesting. Right? So it was a really, you know, to me as a writer, that's like a punch in the forehead. Yeah. You're like, you're like holy man, you got to talk more about that, right? right. And yeah. he's just like, look, man, there, he said, for all of our Western education, we've lost some stuff that they carry around yeah. that they have and they're mm-hmm. tuned into. And so that's, one of the challenges of of being a writer is um, to humble yourself enough to 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 a to be aware enough to pay attention, mm-hmm. right, and then to to, to 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 tune into that, and then hopefully you can publish that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Well, you know, as we as we progress through life and we start to get good at things, we we kind of develop this this ego, right, that we know a lot more than we actually do, and I think that that can often get in the way of learning new skills or accepting new facts because, well, I know this truth, right? Because I've been, mm-hmm. I've been hunting for my entire life. So I know that this is the absolute, you know, fact of hunting. And, and so when something contradicts that we, we typically are averse yeah. to that ideology. And so to take a step back and be able to say, well, maybe I don't know as much as I thought I did, you know, maybe there's something else here. And then the next step to explore that, I mean, I think that that, that is a hallmark of a, of a very, evolved individual where you can, you know, you you can recognize, okay, maybe I was wrong about this. Let and then pursue that to find out more information, right? You know, sometimes we we just create that barrier where we don't want to receive any more information. And man, I, I think that when we when we do that, we we just stop evolving and stop growing, and it's yeah. a it's a bad it's a bad path. Yeah, well, I think that it's a uh, it's a question of hubris, and I am certainly have been. Um, have made mistakes well from you know based directly upon that without a doubt but there have been other cases where um and and it's it's a trained you have to you have to work at it yeah. right to back yourself off and do that you know as a writer there are times and kind of to circle back on you know how do you get assignments to mm-hmm. do that how do you get um 
you know. Yeah, because we may have some people that are sitting there. And yeah. Like, Man, I love. I either a I would love to be able to travel the world and go do these things, but I don't. You know, I don't have the the financial ability to do that. Um, or B is like, man, I really want to be a writer. This is a career path that I want to pursue. But as you said, I mean, it, it, that's a tough, that's a tough, yes, not you to want crack. to talk about that a little bit? How that, well, we, how that I mean, works? I, I, yeah. I think for yeah. both, right? So, I mean, how you use, how you have used writing to, you know, go on these grand adventures that, you know, that, that, that very few people have been able to do. And then also how you've been able to work your way up as a writer in general to actually make it somewhat lucrative and, and a, successful yeah okay um so i think it is i think you have to understand who you're writing for Mm -hmm. right and you have to not just your audience which is ultimately the most important Mm -hmm. that's to whom you owe your duty as a writer right your audience but if it doesn't get published right right the guy's cutting the checks Uh if it doesn't get published nobody hears it yeah. Right. So that's so there in there's the Faustian bargain, right? Right. Right. Um, you you give to get, mm-hmm. right? And so there's a there's a criticism, particularly in the in the the firearms world, that gun writers never shoot a gun they don't like, right? In in that all all gun reviews are positive, right? right. There's never been a crappy gun ever made. Uh-huh. I've had I've had guns break that were brand new in Africa, which is a bit of a pickle, yeah. right? Um, hey, yeah, guys, cutting yeah, a check. Yeah. I hate to break it to you. Sorry, you spent four grand on a plane ticket, but uh, guess this, what? Right, you're gonna um, get a shitty review because this is a you know, yeah, this is yeah. garbage. Uh, so that was that was a tough one, right? Mm-hmm. But um, in general, it doesn't happen that way. But you have to. Um, so, so let me let me kind of walk you through the progress of a magazine writer. Like mm-hmm. I can't speak to being a novelist. Um, those guys. Uh, the ones that I know are the famous ones uh, have really sacrificed a lot to get where they are, unless they're just outright brilliant and they have a great job and they just say, I'm going to get up an hour earlier for a year and they write something that's a bestseller and then they become a fool. That's rare. Well, that's kind of a it, unicorn. Man, it happens. Yeah, sure. There's a few dudes out sure. there that, that um, are that good. Yeah. Uh, Michael Lewis, Alex Barents, and some of these guys that have – have had sort of other legit jobs, and mm-hmm. then they just knock the cover off the ball because they're just that damn good. Yeah. Right? They're really good at, at, at writing and weaving. Well, fuck those guys. They're dickheads. Fuck, I'd, I'd love that. I'd love- <laughs> <laughs> no, piss off yeah. those dudes. Yeah. You jerks. So, so, so let's, you just so wake let's up. talk about the, the other 99.9% right. Of us, right, that have to kind of slog our way through the muck, uh-huh. right? And so for me um, – it's uh, a lot of a lot of writing and, and getting published is relationships, right? And you have to be willing to do that. And that has nothing to do with putting a verb behind a noun, mm-hmm. right? Um, you have to find out who the publishers are. Now, when I started, newspapers were still a big deal, right? There were still the outdoor editor at your local newspaper, yeah, right. There was a there was a magazine that was printed on newsprint in in the middle the outside was shiny called the river hills traveler and it may still exist in missouri but it was all fishing and hunting stories and that's what i read as a kid Mm -hmm. right um but it was people read things that were delivered in the mail not email right? right and now it's totally different and people still read magazines that's to an extent has definitely dropped off but it's Magazines are still hanging in there, yep. right? They've changed. They've gotten better. Mm-hmm. Um, they've gotten more photographically oriented, which mm-hmm. I think is great, right? Um, 
you there's color now right yeah. uh and 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 it wasn't that long ago when the wall street journal was all black and white right, right? there were no pictures mm-hmm. they were just drawings right um so you have to know who you're writing for right not only your audience but also the publisher uh-huh so part of part of uh i think one of the benefits of being an mba and is understanding the bigger the broader picture yeah. right so i've got to write a story i've got to find a way to make this guy's advertiser happy mm-hmm. yet still write the story that i want to write yeah right and that's without compromising your values either one, as either yeah. one right mm-hmm. because if it's you know, if I if I get uh, overly slanted or write something that's unpublishable, then I don't get another story. They don't they don't publish my story anyway, right. and uh, I get a reputation as being a wingnut or mm-hmm. or overly opinionated. So that that's where you can, um, as a writer, it pays to just write about people, right? Yeah, because now right? all of a sudden you kind of. There's a little bit of an out. It does a couple things, right? Uh, you know, it resonates. Unless you're unless you're writing a technical journal, right? Right, which I I'm not. I I haven't. I've written very technical stories mm-hmm. on bullets or ballistics or rifles or or things like that. Certainly, a number of those, and 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 those are some of the dues paying stories that yeah. you need to write, right? So. I, you know, there was a time in my life where I had to write 10 stories that I was assigned in order to write one that I wanted to. Interesting. Right. And then as you, that's a, that's a, I mean, that's a great point to make. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't want to gloss over that because I think we live in a world where we're expecting instant gratification and it's like, you know, we're looking for this one to one Mm -hmm. kind of thing. It's like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do this one shitty thing, but then the next one right off the bat is going to be the awesome thing that I want. And it's like, hate to break it to you but you know it might be more like you said a 10 to 1 ratio until i mean but but now you're to the point where you can you can pitch a story yeah so let me give you the extremes right let me set it up for you so um and keep in mind my my stuff started out in newspapers where you know they had a little more demand for content and so you could you, you could um there was a little more flexibility magazines were less flexible yeah um you know, the net is kind of like newspapers used to be where they constantly need fresh content. Uh-huh. So to put that in a context of kind of for the, your, your modern listener, right? So you're pitching ideas constantly, pitching, hey, I want to write a story about this or about this or about this. And these editors are like, you're young, you're stupid. I don't know if you'll turn it in on time. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. right? And then you'll hit one and they'll either, they'll, they will either be somebody canceled on them, right? They got a gap. Yep. And you got to be ready, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the it's it's 100% luck is preparation meets opportunity, yeah. right? You're, mm-hmm. You've been banging away at these guys, and they're they're ready to you know have security stop you at the door. Yeah. And then finally, you on your last day of their tolerance of even you being in the building. And I literally had a situation where I was being escorted out of the editor's office, and I turned and I made a suggestion. I said, "What about this?" And he said, "Come back in." Wow. And so I had the right idea. Now and I, then I got to do it, right? I, so. I, I can't help I can't help and I might just end up mm-hmm. editing this part out because it's so nonsensical. Right. But all I can envision is Jay Jonah Jameson slamming his fist down and saying he needs pictures of Spider Man. Like like so were right. you Peter Parker coming in to Jay Jonah Jameson? Uh that's a, that's an obscure comic book reference. No, I don't know it, that our that no, our I get, I get it. No, I get it. Is that a real I get, thing? I get it. Is that uh, real life? 
Uh, in many cases, yes. Like, okay. So uh, it was it was really interesting, but it was kind of the flip side of that, and it was it has an MBA twist to it because the editor I was dealing with, um, this is at the this is at the Winston Salem Journal, and this was for doing a I did I went from the Outer Banks to Puget Sound and back fly fishing across the country when I graduated oh, cool. from MBA school, right? And uh, so it was thirty days of nothing but fly fishing, right? And uh, um, Fun, and and it did a couple things. One it was a really cool trip. Yeah. The other is it gave me an instant body of thirty stories mm-hmm. that I you know. So I promised them a story and and uh, um, a thousand words and three photos a day minimum. Right. That's a lot to do. It's a lot to do. Yeah, dude. That's that a lot is of a content. tremendous amount of work to like put in perspective. I mean, that is uh, rain days, travel days. Right. There's oof. a there's a lot, and there was a big bet. Right, it was a it was a tall order. And that's a so, that's a bold I'd like yeah, like was, I, that's a bold move. Yeah, I, I grabbed him and went after it. Yeah, right. You did. That's that's you know that's uh, you know shooting a takedown on a state champ when you're right. When but you're, and, 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 when and, you're and, down fifteen to one, it's like fuck, fuck it, I'm coming after you. Hey, what, I what do I got to lose? Right, right? right. nothing right. nothing to lose. Right. That's exactly where my head was going. Right. Where right. it's like you know had had you not gone through those other yeah. experiences, right. you probably wouldn't have the balls. Yeah. To to put yourself in that, I'm kind getting of scenario. my ass beat, but it doesn't matter here. That's I'm fine. I'm going, I'm going for I'm it. I'm swinging as hard as I can. Yeah. Right? Oh, and man. so I'm sitting in this office, right, with this editor, and he's the business editor, and he and he basically was saying, "Look, um, you know, uh, two years ago we would have paid for all of this, but right now the economy's down. This is like 2001 when mm-hmm. the when the dot com bubble had yep. burst." Um, and he said, look, the money's down, subscribership is down. We've, you know, we've got, you know, the web's eating into our this, that, and the other thing. And, and he said, we can't do it. Right. And then the, the actual editorial editor came in and he was kind of a pompous jerk at the time, or at least impressed me as one and, and, um, was entirely unsupportive of me or my ideas. And, um, so they're basically walking me out of the room, right? Yeah. And uh, and I stopped and I said, look, you told me that you want to increase your readership of 18 to 35-year-olds, right? And it's on the web. And they're like, yeah, at which point you need to leave? And, and I said, well, how about um, I give you the content for free, but I get to resell the ad space wow. for online, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I said, and then you get to elect to um, – print on paper whatever the good stuff is so you basically get 30 stories uh-huh. thousand page or thousand word stories yep and three photos um per day that you can put online and you can pump it at all you want right i get the ad space because i've got to somehow pay for this sure so i can now offer that free advertisement to those people um and then you know so you get to pick through this and maybe print one out of five or one out of seven mm-hmm. or one out of eight or whatever in your prints newspaper in your hallowed print paper. yeah mm-hmm. and i'm pumping the right demographic through this adventure story that doesn't you know it doesn't cost you any extra thing to print an extra yeah, web page right and they were they looked at each other and they were like done deal Man. so i said i need a letter Right. I need a letter that says I have the ability to give you this big of a banner ad. Right. Uh-huh. That was when banner ads right. were the yep. deal. Right. Yep. So I traded the banner ads of 30 days in the Winston Salem Journal for 
lodging and gasoline and fly rods and reels Man, and whatever, right? Is, and so wow. you, you kinda, I had to literally broker a deal at the last minute. Every, right? every single you step know, of the way, yeah, basically. Yeah, it's kind of like standing in front of the firing squad and taking the mask off and saying, wait a minute, I got an idea for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was that Man, close. yeah. And so, boom, that, you know, it became a, a big opportunity there. And then, um, so you kind of have to, uh, then I spent another five years being told no. Right, so it wasn't like the yeses. Right, and then boom, began. you got that one, and then now you're there. It's like okay, that was one yes, but then that was followed by, you know, a plethora yeah, of no's right. or however and, many. Yeah, yeah, and so the because so, there's a you're not the only guy, right? Yeah. You're not the only one, and so there are others that are pitching similar and probably better ideas because <laughs> they've been at it a while. Sure, right? sure, they are. They should be better ideas, mm-hmm. and. Eventually, your ideas get better. Your pitches get um, – you, you start learning what the editors like. You start earn, knowing what the publications want, mm-hmm. what their voice is. Can you write in that voice? Do you want to write in that voice? Um, and you start customizing, you know, giving the customer what he wants. In this case, the customer is the editor yeah. and, the, and the publication. And so that is what it's about. It's about reading your environment and reading uh, the person. And saying, hey, I think a story like this might work for your publication, and here's why. Well, right. and, man, that's that's kind of the, the, lesson, the lesson that is specific to writing. But, man, I think the overarching theme is, is this idea of persistence and, and you know, the, the, the gravitas to, to put yourself, you know, put that toe mm-hmm. on the line to reference what we're talking about right. with wrestling and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to shit or get off the pot, right? you know, and I'm going to make this happen. And you know what? Sometimes I'm going to fall short and that's okay. I'm going to get right back on that horse and I'm going to go again and I'm going to keep doing that because I mean, how long was that process before you got to, you know, where you are today? Yeah. The next, the next, I would say the next phase was probably five to seven years. Wow. Of a lot of phone calls. Right. And, <sighs> it, and, and it was a lot of, a lot of not first of all not the phone calls not even being taken yep and then when you get the phone calls being taken you get this really snide voice of mm-hmm. i don't know who you are and yeah okay you've written there but that publication uh isn't that big of a deal right. you're not that big of a deal and it's it really pisses you off yeah you're like you know you're a lesser mortal right mm-hmm. but you can't say that you're like you know and if i were in the room Probably a different I story. The, I might hit you with a chair. Right, right. right. But know, over the uh, phone, you know, you or online cool. sending yeah. emails, it's, yeah. it's, it's a whole play different ballgame. you got to play the long game, yep. right? And so I think that is uh, whether you are a writer or an artist or a businessman or a salesperson, mm-hmm. no different. Right? Yeah. It's no different. Um, and it's it's half and half. It's half that your pitch isn't good, mm-hmm. and it's half no one knows who you are. Right. right? And so when your pitch gets better – and when you become better known, it, it it's a force multiplier, right? Yeah. It exponentially changes, mm-hmm. right? And so you start developing. Um, so for me, fly fishing was my thing, right? And yeah. that's, that's what I was writing about largely was fishing. Um, and uh, though I loved hunting, I loved shooting, I loved knives and gear and survival and all, all the stuff that I did growing up and in scouting and whatever, um, loved all those things. But the writing was mostly about fishing. And then I get a call from an editor who had changed jobs from a fishing magazine to a to a um, tactical shooting magazine, and he was like, "Hey, uh, Lynn, you know anything about guns?" And I was like, "Well, you know, I 
served as an army I infantry officer. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so I've shot everything in the inventory. I grew up hunting and fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I say I'm qualified. Yeah. What do, what do you have in mind? And he's like, well, I need you to just go to this place and shoot this gun and tell us what you think. Oh, okay. Straightforward. That sounds kind of cool. Yeah. You know? Okay, I'll do that. Right. Um, it's not you know, casting into a a stream in uh, Montana, but all right. Yeah. Okay. And so that started me out of kind of being the that that was the lesson that I learned that okay, do you have the flexibility to do this? Like it's not impalatable. I mean, I I know a fair amount yeah. about it. So yeah, I mean, it's a it's a slight deviation. Show some range, man. Yeah, you know, you know, it's like an actor. Can you? Right. Can you play? Can you play a girl? Can you play a gay guy? You know? Can you? <laughs> yeah. Can you do? Can you do? Uh, can you take on a role that's not you playing you? Mm-hmm. Right. And and it wasn't that big of a stretch for me, quite frankly. Sure, I mean, but I but the, I had the context to do it. It was like not you know, it's not me. Wasn't a story about fashion design or something where it'd be utterly lost. Yeah, right, right, right. right. So in all fairness, it wasn't some giant leap on. But even still, though, I think there's 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 something to that notion of like, hey, you know, in order to get where I want to be, sometimes I have to have some flexibility. That's right. right. That's right. That's the point. You can't always do what you want all the time. Right. Right. And you've got to pay your dues and and earn your chops, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so that was the. that was the lesson that I learned there, and then I st- and then I got a lot more mileage out of those because that was right after nine eleven, and and there was the gun industry was just blowing up, and mm-hmm. there was tons of opportunity, right? Yeah. And so um, that was the that that thus began the one out of seven, one out of five, one out of four, one out of three of gotcha. me getting to do what I wanted. Um, and so so it started off, you know, where it's like ah, eh, one out of every ten, and then as you worked your way up, and I think that's something that. Man, some sometimes we we don't have the patience for right. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, how long do I have to do this? This is awful. I, you know, it's like I got to do ten of these before I get. And it's like, well, yeah, but if you stick to that, then like you said, it becomes one out of seven, yeah, one out to, of five. Yeah, yeah, not to browbeat millennials, but they're like, I've written one and a half stories, and I ought to be able to go to Mongolia now or Nepal. Yeah, like, we no. should. We should. How dare you? Yeah, right. How dare you say that I can't? Yeah, I mean, do you right. know who I am? Do you know how special my mom said I am? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My snowflake send me, is so Send special. me to Mongolia right. right now, all expenses. Exactly right. Yeah. And so uh, you, you get to you, – you you have to uh, – you, you know, you got to pay your dues, mm-hmm. right? And then you get around people that are really good, and you're like, okay, yeah, you're like, I'm, not, well. I'm not in his league, right? Yeah. And then you, then you get in their league. Right, and you get in their league, and um, you start getting to a point where editors. I mean, I had the, probably the greatest compliment I've ever been paid was just this year. Mm-hmm. I just turned forty-six, and it was probably six months ago. An editor said I was pitching this idea, and he's like, "Land, stop." He said, "Look, you turn your stuff in on time. It's clean copy. I, I've never not enjoyed anything you've written. It just go go write the story. <laughs> Do what you want." You know, and, yeah, and and look, I'll work for less money to get to do that. Yeah, right? um, and in fact, some of the bigger publications are actually more rigid than the smaller ones, right? And so you kind of make a balance about mm-hmm. what you want to do. I mean, I'll give you an example. This past weekend, I was in Colorado fishing with a guy named Rick Sandoval, part Apache, part Navajo Indian, and this guy was like on a different. He's on a different plane. He was like the African trackers I was right. telling you about. You know that their their relationship with nature is beyond 
the scientific and the rational, mm-hmm. right? And you and we, he and I, he and I had elk hunted five years together um, before on a horseback trip into um, uh, outside of Gunnison, and we were fishing for this time fishing for lake trout, and just being around the guy um, is such a great life experience to to do that, right? Yeah. But the editor was like, "Look, if you've picked him, like you've never you've never thrown skunks into our." <laughs> into our editorial house, right? Yeah. And, and that, man, that takes a long time. Just build up that trust right? and get to that level where they just, yeah. you know, they're like, yeah, implicitly, go ahead, do what you want to yeah, do. Yeah, and you don't, well, and the other lesson is don't ever throw skunks either, mm. right? So it's... Uh, it's probably a um, good lesson. That's, that, that's part of it too, right? And that's more of being, that that comes with seasoning, yeah. right? Right, you know, and it's just, it's, look, it's just like wrestling or fighting, right? You learn... You and I have seen it as wrestlers, right? And mm-hmm. probably you as, as a as a fighter as well. Those guys that seem to never waste any energy. Mm-hmm. And the guys that I love watching wrestling, whether it's uh, you know, Kyle Dake or or or, or um or um Jordan Burroughs. Jordan Burroughs. Mm-hmm. You look at him and you're like, they're never out of position. Yeah. They never they're never leaning too far one yeah. way or the other. They just don't there's a reason they can go the whole time because they're never wasting yeah. that any was, energy right and that so was, mm-hmm. you know i was just gonna say that was one of the best lessons that i'd ever learned in in my fight career it was was a something that i spoke to jeremy horn about yeah. which I was gonna, know, he's the epitome of he is the right? epitome yeah. right and i asked him i'm like because because he's not known for being the most in shape guy in the octagon yeah, he certainly doesn't look it right, right? but, but uh, guess, and, and that's but guess this, what but you will <laughs> right, never right. get that guy out of position and 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 i asked him i'm like jeremy you don't you don't focus as much on your your physical attributes and your training and your conditioning on that on that side and not to say that he doesn't work hard he certainly does but you know he's not of that caliber guy right you you look at him and you're like oh man i want to be in shape like him you're like i mean they call I, him gumby I him, yeah i asked him about uh diet once and, I, uh, <laughs> and he said Mountain Dew and Lucky Charms. That's know? a and and that's I was a, like, I believe that's a that. true story. Yeah, I believe, I believe I've that. seen I've yeah. seen the way, and and so anyway, so I asked him. I'm like, Jeremy, how how do you not get tired? Because I've seen that guy train, you know, for two hours straight, just nonstop sparring, and never even get out of breath against high level, you know, UFC caliber fighters. And yet, I think he would struggle to run, you know, to do a five mile run. I'm like, those things don't add up. And he's like, well, I never let them put me in a place that I don't want to be. And that just absolutely yeah. blew my mind. I'm like, wait, what do you what do you mean? He's like, well, I don't get into a position where I have to fight so hard to get back that I exhaust myself. I never let someone make me exert more energy than I than I want to exert. And that that to me was like this very like matrix-esque never raise a knife to a gunfight right right right. and it's like okay so now what you're telling me is that your technique and your your understanding of of position of the movements of of the fight Mm -hmm. game is so advanced that you're thinking far enough ahead that that you're not getting backed into this corner where you have to exert yourself and he's like yeah yeah pretty much and i'm like oh my gosh man that's what i would yeah that's what i would encourage uh your listeners that are that are aspiring writers right decide where you want to write is it a magazine is it a newspaper is it a blog is it books mm-hmm. and then find out um what is the where's the low-hanging fruit right yeah right and and meaning 
uh, you get to where you don't waste time doing things that are not yielding what you want. Not productive, right? not lucrative, yeah. Which mm-hmm. is not to say that you're, you always get to do what you want and that you get to be selfish all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, what it means is, is that in getting down that path to where you want to be, you don't, you don't chase flyers. Yeah. You know, you know a shiny object from something that's this significant concrete, or, yeah. Or maybe it's maybe it's a um a smaller piece of fruit that you enjoy more than a bigger piece of fruit. Yeah. Right? I mean for me that the story that I gotta write got to write on this guy this this past week and, and, and the week before I wrote on a, a fantastic woman named Camille Eggdorf, uh, who's a, a, a female fishing uh guide and now um does you know just trips all over the world um they are being around them and getting to see that to me is more rewarding than the money that i'm mm-hmm. being paid now i have a day job so i don't have to so it's right not, so you know i'm allowed that indulgence right mm-hmm. I, that's but that's part of my that's part of my equation right yeah i can i i allow that i can afford to do that because i'm but I can't do it all the time, right? Yeah. I can't do that every day. I get to do it once a month. Sure. Right. But it's understanding so it's that – Well, yeah, it's understanding that wavelength, right, right? Where sometimes you're up here and you're doing this thing, right. and then sometimes the season in life changes, and now this is your circumstance. Mm-hmm. And understanding, hey, you know, despite where I think I want to be, this is where I'm actually at, and this is what – is appropriate for this time right. and place, and and, I, and you and you circle back to a, 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 an extraordinarily important point, which is throughout, hammer on your craft. If it's your true, and that's kind of what I'm saying, true to your nature. Yeah, hammer on your craft, no matter what you're doing. So I can remember times in my life where I couldn't write about the things I wanted to write about. Mm-hmm. So I focused on my emails at work. I focused on when I was working in a technical job, being the best technical writer I could be. I focused on whether I was on a trading desk. Every email that I wrote was it crafted perfectly. Wow. Um, and so you get reps in doing something similar, not identical, mm-hmm. that translate well. Yeah. Right. And it's a matter of. And that's looking at the long view, right? You know, right. again, it's this instant gratification where we want it, you know, the immediate result. And it's like, well, eh, that's not the way it is, it keeps right? Bla- you know, it keeps the blade sharp, right? It might not, it, it might not perpetuate where you want to be. And there, there are, um, and if you read biographies, which I do a fair amount, mm-hmm. They tend to go, they tend to, to to keep the narrative of the person's life. They go from high point to low point to high point to low point, and they don't realize that there are these lengthy gaps where people had to pay dues. And they, yeah, so and so spent, you know, this great general spent seven years in, in the basement at the Pentagon, probably ready to blow his brains out, right? Doing you know? whatever nonsensical stuff, but knowing that but then he got a command at this thing and. Man, it took off yeah. after that, and 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 man, that's life. And there there there's some people that have a lot of success at an early age, or you know, hit the long ball early. But that's mm-hmm. not in that I, I haven't done that, right? It hasn't yeah. happened to me. I mean, there are a lot of people would say, and that's one of the things that I I, I to an extent resent when they say, "Wow, you're really lucky. You <laughs> go to Africa. You're really lucky." I'm like, well, if you if you if you call. <laughs> 20 being years told, worth yeah, of if you being called being told you're stupid your ideas aren't any good you're not qualified other people are better than you if you call that lucky 
then okay, I okay, guess. maybe I am lucky. <laughs> right? Am I fortunate? Without a doubt. Am mm-hmm. I blessed beyond measure? Yes. Yeah. You know, have I seen things in the Gulf Stream or in Africa or in Patagonia? It's just sights of nature that are beyond my ability to to describe. Yes, those are. I am. I am very fortunate. Was I lucky to be there? Hell no. I was there because I worked really hard to get there, and I seized an opportunity when it went screaming past. I grabbed it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I. It's not that I want to take credit for all of that good fortune, but it wasn't because I was just kind of standing there and somebody just yeah here's, you didn't here's, wake up one day and just right. right. So I I would I would encourage um, uh, some measured patience on the part mm-hmm. of you know the people any anyone who aspires to do that that even if you're writing for yourself, um, continue to bang out something yeah on that craft continue to just to whether it's whether it's poetry or long form novels mm-hmm. doesn't matter right and i think that goes to beyond writing whether it's well you can it, apply that to any right, I mean, basically right. any endeavor it doesn't matter knife doesn't matter or, what it is whether it's your you're sewing who cares pursuing right. a fighting career or you know whatever you're going to be the you know crochet world champion someday right right I don't think that's a thing, but anyway, maybe you get the is. idea. Maybe it is. It's you crazy. should get the crochet world champion. If you could get that on set. I will. Him. I will. Yeah. I'm, I we're going to find, I, we're going to find dude, that. I person. bet it's a guy who's like six two, two seventy five, and he's fully sleeved and tats. Yes. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> we'll, well, we'll, I want to meet that guy. Hey, if, if you're is, out there, right? crochet, you're out there world crochet, crochet world champion, hit us up. We'll bring on. you on. We got, uh, I will buy the, uh, I, I will lay the marker down. I will buy, I will buy the, 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 what is this? The the the, the, uh, wild the, the, the the rare breed. I'll rare buy the breed. rare breed. I'll buy the rare breed when you interview the crochet world champion. Wow, yeah. man. Okay, well that that's on the docket. So stay tuned for that. And, and, and well, <laughs> he can talk about how many times he poked himself in the finger. <laughs> yeah, you know. And the old ladies made fun of him because right. I'm sure that happened. Guaranteed. Yeah, guaranteed sure that happened. happened. So he probably cried in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, like we all have. Yeah. Um, so, Len, if, if people want to reach out to you, they want to find you, they want to see some of your work, they want to hire you, to, uh, Where? how can, how can yeah, people get great, a hold of great you? Great question. So, uh, Waldron Pond, uh, uh, it's a... Uh, I see what you did a, there. Yeah, a prideless, uh-huh. a prideless uh, 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 homonym of Walden Pond, mm-hmm, but it's mm-hmm. Waldron, W-A-L-D-R-O-N, Pond, P-O-N-D, uh-huh. dot com. Uh, and then my Instagram is, uh, and Facebook is Waldron dot pond uh so check that out instagram is probably the best way is it okay my, my website has um some kind of a uh, longer term more permanent stuff and but the but the new stuff like it looks I'm, fantastic by the way i think it's going through man it's just coming together just got a facelift yeah yeah so it's coming together um um good friend of mine's helping out and he's you know he's got he's got better sense for that kind of thing so yeah, just to, to kind of if you're interested in uh, the writing life and mm-hmm. what that means, and and I'm and I'm in fact I'm having lunch on Friday with a guy I've never met who's like, hey, I read this story and I live near you, and would you would you talk to me? Oh, about that's cool. Writing, um, because that was done for me. There were guys that pulled me aside. So and now said, you're paying it forward. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. like, hey, you're serious. You know, avoid this, do this, don't do this. I, you know, I heard you say this, and you may want to be real careful about saying that to this guy in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, oh man, thanks. Right. <laughs> um, people will, people will let jackasses fail. 
yeah. and enjoy oh, yeah. and enjoy the show. And they'll watch it burn. Right. Yeah. And then and then others, you know, there are good people out there that will help you and mentor you and keep you out of trouble. So yeah. um uh yeah, I you know, I can't I'm can only tell my story. I, sure. I only know what I know based upon what I've experienced. But yeah, you know, reach out, keep keep it in, you know. Watch what I'm up to because there's some cool stuff. Yeah, cool stuff absolutely, coming. super cool stuff. Yeah, I can't um, wait to see some of the adventures you were telling us about, yeah. man. It's gonna be gonna be awesome. So, man, really appreciate you coming on. I, yeah, I, I hope it's worthwhile. Oh you know? man, it's yeah. fantastic. I mean, I think you brought up so many great points. And truth be told, man, I'd love to love to kind of run down some of these other rabbit holes yeah. and, and bring you back at some point. And love so, yeah. you know, thankfully you're in the building. You're just like two yeah, offices not, not, over. Not, not, not like, too far away. Right? I, yeah. I, I I was like. Man, I have known you for this long, and I had no idea that you. I was just sitting on this gold mine of knowledge, just literally, you know, two doors down, ripe for the picking. So, you know, better late than never, I suppose. No, I appreciate it. Well, it's it's kind of nice that it isn't you know it isn't so much on my sleeve that I, you know, it's, right. It's, it's very it's very internal. Yeah, very cool. So. Well, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Check out Len. Len, yeah. thank you so much. We'll see you next time. All right.